All right, how's it going, everybody? This is Dan Fagella with Tech Emergence, where we interview investors, entrepreneurs, and researchers in the domain of emerging technology. Today, I have on the line with me a researcher, uh, an assistant professor from Cold Spring Harbor, uh, Dr. Golson Lyon. Doctor, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Glad to be able to have you on. I know we were introduced uh, from Reed Robison at, at Toot Genomics. Uh, we had a great interview with Reed and got to speak a lot to. Uh, more the emerging side of genomics and genomics research. Um, and I really wanted to get your perspective because I know your idea on timed frames and timetables might be a little bit different than Reed's. It might be maybe more informed than others as well. Uh, as to sort of how you see this, this uh, the, the leveraging of genomics and genetic information being used today and how quickly you see that picking up in terms of it really being a commonplace facet to healthcare as we know it now. Uh, sure, yes. I, so I, I'm a psychiatrist and a you know, practicing medical doctor, and I've been around the block a bit, so I've seen um, a lot of fads come and go, and so I'm a little bit more um, cynical. Um, and, you know, in, especially in the American healthcare system, I just think it takes a long time for anything to really be implemented on any kind of wide scale. Um, I do think that um, whole genome sequencing is inevitable and it will happen, but not clear to me that it's going to happen any time in the next five to ten years. It's more likely. Oh, wow. It's more. It's more likely that it's. You know, we're looking at. You know, this should be implemented within the next fifty years. Um, and I would imagine in, in America, I just don't. You know, know that it's going to be widespread in the next five to ten years. Well, so um, you think that uh, whole the the process of widely used whole uh, genome sequencing won't be uh, potentially all that popular for maybe even another five decades? Um, I think that there's a lot of huge a number of hurdles in the American healthcare system okay. that must be overcome, uh, including regulatory hurdles. Um, we have the, uh, the FDA uh, that recently, you know, they, they're very, you know, they, they expect um, direct-to-consumer genetic testing companies to be providing them with very, um, with, with, Lots of validation of and clinical utility for their for their products, and so recently, Twenty Three Me announced that they were no longer going to be able to provide medical interpretation for even genotyping arrays, um, and they haven't even started yet doing any any kind of direct consumer uh, exome or whole genome sequencing. Um, so, really, right now, in terms of whole genome sequencing. There's very little of it going on that's being returned to consumers or even integrated into electronic medical records in America. I think we're still very much in the pioneer days of you know certain sort of brave individuals are getting themselves sequenced and they're trying <laughs> yeah. to learn learn from that. But I, I do think it's going to be quite a while before it becomes commonplace. Because it, it is possible here to to again sequence the the human genome, but as as you had said, I mean in terms of getting that uh, up and out in a widespread uh, method and really being able to see that as, as something that we can all use on a regular basis. It sounds like, again, your perspectives are a little bit more uh, long-term. How do you feel about the way that, um, I know 23andMe was getting a lot of heat. Even you, Biome, we recently interviewed uh, the CEO there, uh, Jessica Richmond from Oxford. Um, you know, they got their fair share of heat for sort of the collecting and leveraging of that kind of data. How, how do you feel about the FDA's choices thus far in, in that department? 
Um, well, you know, I'm 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 in academia, and I don't I don't have any um, I don't take any money from industry, um, so I don't really think I have any conflict of interest. Yep. I, um, I would I would sort of you know indicate that um, you know the FDA is uh, very it's a very conservative organization that was created to improve um, the safety of, of products, and um, they have been um, you know incredibly conservative over the years with you know, with making sure that things are absolutely safe, and they seem to have taken um, a very active role recently in sort of basically saying that, um, you know, that you can't really provide genetic testing back to consumers if there's any sort of unvalidated medical interpretation. So, so to yep. me, that just means that um, it's going to take a long time for places like 23andMe or Ubiome to be able to market these things widely to consumers, at least in America. And so that's why I'm a little cynical about this going mainstream anytime soon. Yeah, and uh, and do you feel as though the information from 23andMe, again, I think, you know, it, it seems to me anyway, and, and I was speaking with Jessica about this and Reed, that, you know, the... the the benefits of this stuff is, as you had mentioned, you know, we can't exactly sequence a whole genome and point out, you know, 106 different super meaningful things that we can, you know, apply this medication or avoid this or do, you know, it's not, it's not exactly all mapped out there. You know, you had mentioned it was kind of wild westy. Um, and, and clearly the, the greater value comes from a vastly larger streams of data going through in terms of, uh, people's genetic information and the kinds of conditions that they're suffering from and correlations thereof and just really, really maximizing that, um, you know, th that seems to be where the benefits are. Is, is it a bit of a chicken and an egg kind of a thing where, shucks, you know, we can't get it out there because at the end of the day, you know, we don't really know if this stuff is validated. And then at the same time, well, geez, we can't exactly validate it all that well unless we have a whole bunch of people shove their information into the machine. Um, you know, is, is that a little bit of a catch-22 uh, at least over here in America? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would say that uh, I have, you know, I've written opinion pieces basically arguing that the um, genotyping arrays that 23andMe runs are, um, act, you know, they, they, have been, they have proven um, validity in terms of, you know, a certain level of high accuracy of the actual genotypes um, that are being delivered um, back to people. And, uh, where the FDA is most concerned is that there, there are people at 23andMe and elsewhere that are trying to make medical interpretations, and it is a chicken and the egg problem because you know I've written opinion pieces saying that you know I'd like to get millions of people genotyped and eventually millions of people sequenced so that we can then begin to make these correlations. Um, but it's very hard to incentivize people. I mean, you know, many people just don't automatically just do research for for you know, the altruism of of it. Yep. Um, it seems like some people, you know, want to participate and you know, send in their saliva. If they get something, some kind of product back, if they get something, you know, um, back uh, to them. And so the only company that's really been able to get a large um, data set of well-phenotyped, um, you know, individuals, people that are entering customer surveys, seems to be 23andMe, but, you know, there is the Personal Genome Project, um, which is a nonprofit effort to try to get... Uh, you know, many people to go online and, 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 and donate um, their saliva and get genomic data online. And then there are other uh, sort of nascent efforts, such as Genomics England, which is where they're trying to sequence 100,000 people in England and trying to incorporate that into the electronic medical records in England. And so um, I can see 
that in the next five to ten years that we'll certainly be making some progress. I just it's not going to be at the pace that I would like it to be um, due to the recent FDA actions. Yeah, and, and do you feel as though those those medical interpretations, uh, as it was put, that those medical interpretations um, were were sort of on, uh, leaning a little bit on the bold and brash side for Twenty Three and Me, or do you feel like kind of for the most part? You know, they were putting stuff out there accurately and, and it probably wasn't going to hurt anybody. Or did you feel like, you know, some people felt as though it was uh, subtly irresponsible. I know there's different opinions there. What did you think uh, on, on kind of their situation? Yeah, that boils down to one's uh, philosophy. If one is, you know, typically you know, more libertarian versus more um, paternalistic. Um, so, you know, the people that... Um, you know, want to protect the American consumer from any possible danger. Um, those kinds of people um, would tend to make the argument that 23andMe was making rather bold interpretations, whereas people that are more on the libertarian side, um, such as myself, who argue that information should just be provided and people can make their own uh, reasoned decisions and also seek second opinions. Um, and to me, it doesn't seem like that information is all that um Bold or brash by any means, but but it really does boil down to whether or not somebody is a paternalist uh, and, and believes that government is you know, meant to protect everyone, um, or are you more of a libertarian where you're willing to allow um, information to sort of be conveyed to people? Got it. Yeah, and uh, I I suppose that's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> not even necessarily claiming the rights and wrongs, but really, obviously, it depends so much on. Uh, perspective, um, but from from the libertarian standpoint, you really feel like they were pretty darn open about what they felt like they were doing that might have been accurate, what they felt like maybe wasn't exact, but people could take into account on their own. They were pretty frank about you know the non uh, you know uh, objectivity of necessarily every aspect of what they were up to. That's what I felt. There was an enormous okay. number of disclaimers on the website and lots of information. And um, to me, uh, yeah, I thought it was very, very open. I mean, I, I think in our country, you know, we, we do have a pioneer spirit in America. And you, know, you are allowed to go and do lots of things that some people may consider to be not safe, including going like skydiving or yeah. you know, going out and, and drinking alcohol if you're older than age 21. And there's all sorts of things that in our society one is allowed to do, including buying herbal supplements um, over the counter that haven't really gotten proven validity. Um, and so, you know, it, it just seems a little, it seemed to me unusual that the FDA decided to crack down on 23andMe when there's lots of things that people do that are not safe in our society that are a lot more dangerous than what was being done by 23andMe. Okay, got it. And, and, uh, Moving forward, I mean, I'm going to speak a little bit to um, to some other areas that maybe you think are important and may, maybe more people should be tuned into as to where this information is being leveraged or where it could be leveraged uh, usefully or otherwise. Um, but in, in terms of uh, genome sequencing actually kind of budging and moving and making its way meaningfully into the medical uh, process uh, within which our country operates, um, where do you think that headway will be made when it is made? Um, where where are things maybe budging a little bit, or where do you think things will budge a little bit that that uh, you know might be useful for researchers and entrepreneurs who you know don't want to be hopping on a bandwagon that you know isn't going to hit the streets for another fifty years? 
Well, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 basically targeted um, sequencing, targeted panels, and um, you know things like exome sequencing. Basically, looking at less than the entire genome. Um, so you know, the company Illumina is rolling out uh, instruments, uh, the MySeq, as well as other kinds of panels. And so there's going to be lots and lots of people out there that are going to be sequencing dozens to hundreds of genes or even thousands of genes but not going to be sequencing entire genomes and um, you know I think that that is a um, it's a it is it's it's definitely the approach that people are definitely taking Uh, my concern with that simply is that we don't really know um, how genes interact with one another and if one is only sequencing parts of the genome and not really analyzing the entire genome with with millions of other genomes, it's really hard. It's, it's really easy to be misled into thinking that you've discovered a, um, a correlation that you believe is somehow causative when, in fact, it's really just a correlation. Yeah. Um, hmm. So it, it seems like it's almost a similar chicken and egg problem. You know, it's, it's easier to squeeze through these smaller semblances of uh, of genome information and kind of take that to, uh, you know, make make headway with that, actually applying it in the healthcare system. But then again, at the same time, we don't have the whole thing coming through the machine over and over and over and over and over again to really be able to build up enough of a bank to, to make some serious um, correlation. So again, it seems like we run into the same problem. Right, right. The history of medicine is unfortunately um, really um, quite... Uh, littered uh, with the carcasses of, uh, of, of of positive studies that were then overhyped and then oversold and eventually uh, discredited. Um, so, you know, there's just large, large numbers of, of you know small studies that are constantly being done, proving that maybe something is, um, you know, proving a correlation, and then lots of drugs and products are put on the market all the time. That when tested in larger numbers, um, end up sh- you know showing uh, side effects or yeah. showing that they're not as efficacious as initially intended. And so, when you do when you take a less than genome wide approach, you're doing basically what has been done for the last hundred years or more in medicine, which is um, sort of uh, you know it's basically um, increasing your your uh, your false positive findings on some level, sort of basically. Uh, and so you end up finding things that are really not true in the end. Huh. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that the history of medicine is littered. I always like to find at least one good quote from uh, from each interview, and thank goodness we had that one, so that's cool stuff. Um, and yeah, I suppose only only time and diligent work will tell exactly you know, uh, how many examples of that we will have with this type of technology. And, and to that topic, thinking a little bit on the future, um, where for you are, are maybe some applications or some implications of uh, genetics information, the technology of genomics, um, that maybe more people could use paying attention to? Stuff for you that's either very exciting or very alarming, um, that it doesn't seem like maybe the rest of the world is, is tuned into as much as you'd like? Um, well, given the re- given the, the recent uh, crackdown by the FDA, I, I tend to be um, I'm, I'm much more encouraged at the moment about genealogy. I think that uh, there are certain uh, direct consumer websites and companies like Ancestry.com and also 23andMe that are able to 
um, do genotyping and, and basically help people to link up uh, various families. And I think you know we're gonna we're I think we're gonna be able to build a much larger family trees going forward. Um, and uh, with that, and uh, you know, putting in phenotype data, we'll be able to we'll be able to at least get a little bit better understanding of of, of how certain diseases run in families and. What, what, what their uh, expressivity is in terms of how variable is the phenotype um, within uh, families. And so that's one thing that I'm sort of pushing more um, because it is uh, something that is not being as heavily regulated at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting, actually. Uh, of all the folks I've spoken with at th- thus far, um, that really has not even come up, genealogy, and speaking to that, um, you know, whether it be startups or whatever, whoever else who might be sort of involved in, in that process. What do you think that might uh, do or mean implication-wise in the world? You know, if we're, if we're able to either pay for a service or there's some kind of, a, you know, Internet of Genes or whatever it is which, which arises that allows us to make those deeper and further connections back, do you see that as having important contextual medical meaning for the divergence of, you know, disease or, or expression of genes through a family? Do you see it as more just being an interesting thing for people who want to know who their great-great-great-great-grandma is? Um, what do you think it'll, it'll do and mean? I mean, I think it's, it's the, the, the first step is to try to globalize um, more people, globalize the world, and, and that means by sort of tracing back larger and larger family trees. Um, and then eventually, I'd love it for medical, um, the medical phenotyping to get sort of contextualized within those larger family trees. Um, right now, though, I think that the, you know, it's still early days. I think people are, um, you know, they're, they're, some of the companies like Ancestry.com are doing um, genotyping. So, so is 23andMe, and I think more and more people are becoming aware of, you know, genealogy and trying to get, uh, find find their ancestors and um, start to put in um, disease phenotype data so that in 50 years' time, I would hope we'll, we'll have much more um, detailed records available of um, you know, larger families with, with, more, with, more, with more data. Um, there, there, is some, there are other people out there right now even using, um, sort of grabbing, uh, sort of de-identified data from uh, certain uh, genealogy websites and are they're able to start to, to amass very, very large family trees and start to be able to make um, some uh, genetic, um, some genetic, do some genetic analyses that uh, about, that sort of help to um, get at a certain disease phenotypes, but that's something that's already starting to happen. Cool, yeah, so, so you think that the genealogy will uh, bring about some kind of medical headway in terms of uh, genetics and genomics, in terms of tying that stuff into people with a common genetic thread. I mean, I think it's gonna. If, if nothing else, it's gonna start to let people make make people wake up to the fact that you know disease is uh, variably expressed, and so there, we're gonna hopefully finally get rid of this. Um, these terms, you know, the gene for yeah, 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 super it's, inaccurate. It's way, way more, it's way more complicated than that. And so, you know, there are plenty of women that have, you know, that may have like a BRCA one or two mutation, and you know, and, and that does give them a, a slightly that gives them an increased risk a risk of, of getting breast cancer. But but it's precisely that it's it's risk, right? It's probable. 
the ideal, I think, if you knew, you know, if you had a certain mutation in one of these genes, for you to contextualize that in your own, um, you know, immediate family, including grandparents, uncles, cousins, and really be able to calculate a much more accurate probabilistic um, risk factor directly for your family within the context of your genome and your environment. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Cool, yeah, and I think... As you had said, if nothing else, you know, if if, uh, if genealogy is less regulated and if genealogy proliferates, either out of curiosity, medicine, whatever else, um, that might be a gateway to just open up more people's eyeballs to, A, the potential ramifications and, and benefits of this sort of technology if we understand it, but B, um, getting a grasp on what's really happening. As you had said, you know, making it so that the average layperson does not say, oh, no, my uncle has the gene for, you know, colon cancer or something like that, making it right. so that this sort of information is, is maybe br uh, broadly understood by a, a greater swath of humanity, um, which I think would be useful in many regards. Um, uh, Dr. Lyon, I, I know we went a little bit over time, but I, I wanted to really be able to delve into that future stuff, and I'm glad we were able to get into it. I more than appreciate you taking the time for the interview today. All right, great. Thank you so much. Cool. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week.